Welcome to the Peachy Books Podcast. I'm Roy Peachy, and today we're going to be looking at what Orwell himself described as the key passage of Animal Farm. Writing to Dwight MacDonald, he said, The turning point of the story was supposed to be when the pigs kept the milk and apples for themselves. Now this is a really interesting point. We might think of various other turning points in the book, various other key passages, but Orwell himself picks out this very brief moment at the end of chapter two. And what's the context of this? We've had the revolution, we've had the seven commandments, and all the animals seem to be pulling together. Snowball has thrown down the paintbrush and said, let's go to the hayfield, let's get in the harvest quicker than Jones and his men could do. And the chapter could have finished there with all the animals pulling together, with the revolution successful, but it doesn't. Orwell continues in this way. But at this moment, the three cows, who had seemed uneasy for some time past, set up a loud lowing. They had not been milked for 24 hours, and their udders were almost bursting. After a little thought, the pigs sent for buckets and milked the cows fairly successfully, their trotters being well adapted to the task. Soon there were five buckets of frothing, creamy milk, at which many of the animals looked with considerable interest. What is going to happen to all that milk? said someone. Jones used sometimes to mix some of it in our mash, said one of the hens. Never mind the milk, comrades, cried Napoleon, placing himself in front of the buckets. That will be attended to. The harvest is more important. Comrade Snowball will lead the way. I shall follow in a few minutes. Forward, comrades. The hay is waiting. So the animals trooped down to the hayfields to begin the harvest. And when they came back in the evening, it was noticed that the milk had disappeared. So what do we make of this passage? First of all, we see that Napoleon placed himself in front of the buckets. He physically positions himself between the rest of the animals and the milk. Secondly, we notice that there's a division between Napoleon and Snowball. The two pigs are no longer united. Napoleon stays behind. Comrade Snowball leads the rest of the animals off to get in the harvest. Okay, why is there a division here? Well, because we reading between the lines, can see that Napoleon himself is going to take the milk. It didn't just disappear in some vague way, it was taken. And so the really important point about this passage is that we suddenly realise for the first time that the narrator is not reliable. The narrator is not some objective narrator telling us the truth all the time. No, the narrator is giving us a particular perspective. The third-person narrator is taking the perspective of the rest of the animals. We never see directly into the lives of the pigs. We are cut off from them, just as the rest of the animals are cut off from them, by the narrative point of view. And so it's significant that the narrator doesn't tell us here what exactly happens to the milk. He uses that vague word, disappeared. The milk had disappeared. Now we know from Orwell's essay on politics and English language that he really hated this vagueness. He thought it was a way in which politicians managed to cover up what they were doing. So its deliberate use here shows us that Napoleon is exploiting the rest of the animals. He's taking the milk for himself. Now why is this important? It shows that the revolution has soured. Orwell himself referred to the naval mutiny at Kronstadt in 1921 when the sailors supported those striking in Petrograd against the Soviet regime. He's showing us divisions in the revolution, early divisions. 
very shortly after the communist revolution of 1917. So we've got the revolution going wrong. Then a few pages later in the book, we return to the milk and we hear about the apples. In chapter three, the narrator tells us this. The mystery of where the milk went to was soon cleared up. It was mixed every day into the pig's mash. The early apples were now ripening and the grass of the orchard was littered with windfalls. The animals had assumed as a matter of course that these would be shared out equally. One day, however, the order went forth that all the windfalls were to be collected and brought to the harness room for the use of the pigs. At this, some of the other animals murmured, but it was no use. All the pigs were in full agreement on this point, even Snowball and Napoleon. Squealer was sent to make the necessary explanation to the others. So, although the milk is taken originally by Napoleon, Comrade Snowball being sent off in front to get him out of the way, here we find that the pigs are now in full agreement. The pigs have united against the rest of the animals. What does Squealer say? Comrades, he cried, you do not imagine, I hope, that we pigs are doing this in a spirit of selfishness and privilege. Many of us actually dislike milk and apples. I dislike them myself. Our sole object in taking these things is to preserve our health. Milk and apples, this has been proved by science, comrades, contain substances absolutely necessary to the well-being of a pig. We pigs are brain workers. The whole management and organisation of this farm depends on us. Day and night we are watching over your welfare. It is for your sake that we drink the milk. It is for your sake that we drink that milk and eat those apples. Do you know what would happen if we pigs failed in our duty? Jones would come back. Yes, Jones would come back. Surely, comrades, cried Squealer, almost pleadingly, skipping from side to side and whisking his tail. Surely there is no one among you who wants to see Jones come back. Now, if there was one thing that the animals were completely certain of, it was that they did not want Jones back. When it was put to them in this light, they had no more to say. The importance of keeping the pigs in good health was all too obvious. So it was agreed, without further argument, that the milk and the windful apples, and also the main crop of apples when they ripened, should be reserved for the pigs alone. So we begin to get this first sense of all of the animals being equal, but some being more equal than others. And Squealer, who represents the propaganda of the Soviet Union, Pravda, and some of the other newspapers, he speaks to the rest of the animals in a very interesting way. He uses lots of questions, first of all. You do not imagine, I hope, that the pigs are doing this in a spirit of selfishness and privilege, he says. Do you know what would happen if we pigs failed in our duty? Surely there's no one among you who wants to see Jones come back. So lots and lots of questions. Also lots of exclamatives. Jones would come back. Yes, Jones would come back. And then he lies. There are straightforward lies as well. Many of us actually dislike milk and apples. I dislike them myself. Of course, doesn't dislike them at all. He's very happy to have this luxury that is denied to the rest of the animals. So using lots of different rhetorical techniques, lots of propaganda techniques, Squealer manages to convince the rest of the animals that there should be this division within the farm, this division among the animals, that certain animals, the pigs, should be more privileged than the others. And so the spirit of the revolution is betrayed very early in the book. By the end of chapter three, it's very clear that there is this division between pigs and the rest of the animals. And that, of course, is one of Orwell's central points. The betrayal of the revolution, the betrayal of left-wing ideas, 
the betrayal of socialism by pigs who led the revolution. I think that's enough for now. Next time we'll have a look at the Battle of the Cowshed. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Roy Peachy. See you next time. <laughs>